But then like we got in it, we're like, okay, fine, we'll test drive it. And then like Mike's face like lit up. <laughs> and I was like, he's smiling. And I mean, we were homeless, like literally homeless, you know, in between those moments. Um, and so it was, we we're just like, okay, let's do it. Pull the, pull the trigger. This is the final call for The Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, episode 320. Wyoming is by far the least populous state in the U.S., but I bet you already knew that. What I'm guessing you didn't know is that the entire state of Wyoming only has two escalators. Yeah, you know, those things that you go up and down on automatically? Two in the entire state. And they're both in the town of Casper. One of my lifelong goals is to bop around the U.S. in a van or an RV. And I think for a lot of people, that just brings up these ideas of the great American road trip. And in your head, you have this romantic notion of what it would be like to travel around the U.S. in something that you could actually sleep in and you could take your time and you could just go and see all the amazing sights that are around in the U.S. So if you're someone like me and you have that romantic notion, welcome to this show because we're going to be talking to people who are actually doing it, which is pretty amazing. The one thing that for me would be a consistent, because I've never done this type of trip, but it would be consistent with the rest of my travel, whether I'm going international, domestic, road tripping around the U.S., it doesn't matter, taking little flights around Asia, is that I will always be carrying my Tortuga backpack around with me. No matter where I'm going, no matter what trip I'm taking, it's my Tortuga backpack and me. You can find out all about Tortuga backpacks and everything that they offer, all their different lines over at tortugabackpacks.com. Don't forget, you can use that promo code EPOP and that'll get you 10% off your entire order. Hello, travel nerds, and welcome to the Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, the show that teaches you how to travel more while spending less. I'm your host, Travis Sherry, and joining me today in person are two people whose Instagram account will make you insanely jealous, who are nice enough to drive all the way over to my house and hang out in our living room, and who, believe it or not, are not the first people that my mom recommended to come on the podcast, but you guys are the second. You're the second. Mike and Jess of vanthere.com and at van.there on Instagram. Guys, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Yeah, happy to be here. In-person interviews are always my favorite. Usually it's just Heather and I sitting in my office, but now I was able to wrangle you guys in, and I'm super excited for today's interview. Not because we get to do it in person, not only because of that, but because this month, May 2018, if you guys are listening live or after we put this out, it's Location Independence Month here at Extra Pack of Peanuts, and we're building up to our Paradise Pack launch, which is May 29th. So you guys can find out all the details, theparadisepack.com, seven days only, then it's gone forever. So check it out, theparadisepack.com. And what better people to chat about location independence than you two? Because sitting just outside the window, I can actually see it if I lean back in my chair here, is your pride and joy, your baby, your van. Yes. Yeah. Uh, affectionately known as Van Haley. Van Haley. Okay. Yeah, we'll tell a name. story about that in a minute. Yes. 
And well, I guess I should. I don't know. You're maybe your real baby's next to us. The little the little Chihuahua we got here with us. Yeah, that's Vinny. All right, so we got Vinny here in the room. We got the van right outside. Tell us a little bit about what your life looks like right now. Yeah, so uh, right now we are living full-time in the van. Uh, we actually just finished building it, so we built it ourselves. Uh, started from started from ground zero with a cargo van and built it up uh, with our own plans and our own hands and made it happen. So you're, all right, you guys are living in your van. It's been how long? A year about? Yeah, so so like I said, we just moved into this van. However, we've been living on the road in another van uh, for about a year. Uh, this month makes twelve months of uh, living on the road, living nomadically, and uh, without a fixed address. Yeah. So back us up before this past year happened, because we're going to get into all like the crazy stories and the things that you guys have seen in in a year in the van, and also why you're on your second van, yes. which I think will make for a good story as well. But when did this? idea even come about that you're like, hey, we want to we want to go and tromp around the U.S. in a van? Well, we were actually backpacking in the Tetons. Um, we spent about uh, five days out there. And before you can get your permit to go backcountry camping, we saw this big rig. It was a sprinter. It was beautiful, but it was $120,000. And we thought, you know, that is just not realistic. But it's a pretty cheap mortgage if you start to look at it like that. So once we kind of shifted our mindset to this being a home, home on wheels, um, I think that really uh, sparked an interest in us. So the whole five days we were backcountry camping through the Tetons, we started talking about it and we got back to Baltimore and we're like, okay, let's not let this fire die. We started looking for vans and within, I think, 30 days, we had found a cargo van, purchased it. And then over the next five months, we were building that out into a tiny home on wheels. All right. So you see this Sprinter van out there in the Tetons and you get you kind of get the bug and you think, all right, this could be feasible. How long from seeing that van to actually then either deciding we're going to do this and then getting out on the road like what did the process look like leading up to that uh there wasn't much of a process it was okay basically i like to saw, hear that we saw this thing <laughs> and we said why not uh we said you know there's really nothing much holding us back um and so we did maybe a few weeks of research started looking at different uh vans on craigslist and, and different ads and um we just really just jumped in and there was one other couple uh we follow them on instagram and they've been they're they're a wonderful couple and we at one point sent them a message and we we're like, hey, we're thinking about doing this. And they just said, you know what? You can do it. There's nothing to be scared of. Just jump in. If you really want it, it'll happen. So go ahead and do it. And uh, we still thank them for that. Uh, we've met them in person several times. We love them. And uh, it's kind of all, all because of that one little comment. Did you have jobs at that point when you're when you're backpacking? And you're like, we want to do this. And that for most people would be the biggest hindrance. It was like, oh, yeah, this sounds cool, but I have a job. How am I going to go around the U.S. in a van if I have a job? Yeah, so actually my job was in science communications at an agency in Washington, D.C., and it was kind of going halfway remote anyway at that point. I was working partly at, from home, and I knew that all I needed was a phone and internet and email, and I was set. So as soon as um, those wheels started rolling, I started talking with my agency. 
Um, unfortunately, it's just not realistic to work full time in a full time capacity when you live on the road, just because that's not what this adventure is about. Right. Like, I don't want to be tethered for 60 hours a week to my computer. I want to go out and explore. Um, so now I work as a contractor, um, freelance, however you want to call it, in science communications. And that's a majority of our income right now. And I just need phone and Internet. And I fly out every once in a while to see the clients and get my frequent flyer miles that way. There you go. Nice. We love that. So did the the company that you were working for, were they, was there any blowback from them at all? Or were they, were they gung ho? Were they like, oh, well, you could go remote and you're going to be in a van. Like, this is a cool story. Kind of live vicariously through you. Yeah, it's a cool story, but um, I'm in PR and communications, which is a very fast paced industry. So you have to be there immediately for your client. And so there was a little bit of concern about me like being out in the woods with no service. So, you know, realistically, um, it just became more project based as opposed to client focus. But now um, that we've been working together for a year in this capacity, um, it's changing to more like I can handle a client now. So which is very exciting because I, I love getting my hands in there. Was it one of those ideas that you had to kind of show them? Like it, it was, hey, I'm going to show you that I can do this. Give me this option. And now that you have, they're ready to say like, yeah, she, we trust in her basically. Yeah, she can I, do it. I think that you hit it right on, on the head there because there's a lot of trust that had to be built to show that I was going to be available um, and that being a nomad wasn't going to impact uh, client relations in a negative way. Yeah. How did your friends and family feel about it? Because you have the job as one, usually one obstacle holding people back. And then the other one is their community, right? Of people that are around them who might even be excited for them, but also kind of do the whole, oh, that sounds cool. But what about this, this, this? And then they give you a laundry list of reasons why it's not going to work or it shouldn't work. Yeah. The, the biggest hurdle that people had to get over and the, the one that we kind of cleared more easily was was what do we do for money? What are we going to do for jobs? Um, that's the first question that our parents had. And, uh, you know, a lot of our friends said, oh, this is really cool. Uh, I guess you guys are going to make it work, huh? And uh, we admittedly kind of didn't really have a solid plan. We had faith that it would work out. And we, we just said, no matter what happens, um, you know, we'll make it work. And one option was to travel and work. You know, I was like, we can we can go to Seattle. I can pick up two weeks of, of odd jobs and work here and there. And then we moved to Portland, do two weeks there. Um, and luckily, that wasn't the model we really had to take on. But uh, that was in our back pocket saying, if that's what we need to do, that's what we'll do. Yeah, that was a worst case scenario right. was that you could pick up work as you went and just either travel slower or be beholden to that spot for a set amount of time, right. but still not be only in Baltimore, right. living in an exactly. apartment or house or something. Yes. Like. Right. Now, Mike, what would you have done in Seattle or Portland? Like, what's your background and how? Why did you feel so confident? Like, oh, I could pick up some work here and there if need be. Yeah. Uh, so my background is in architecture. So also, I built out the van, and I feel like I have pretty good construction skills and a good skill set of building furniture or carpentry or anything like that. And actually, in Seattle, within the first two weeks of our trip, um, I met a guy at a park. It was just an odd conversation that came up and he, he was, he was in his sixties and one of his first questions, what are you doing for money? And so I told him my plan. I said, I'm just going to pick up some jobs here and there. And, and he was like, well, you know what? I actually got a job if you want it. Uh, and he professionally builds houseboats. And I was like, you build houseboats in Seattle and you want me to come help you for a week. And he's like, yeah, sure. Come on, come on by. And it was, it was an incredible experience to say that I got to build this houseboat and, uh, everything fell into place and we ended up sleeping in the uh, construction yard for a week and we were behind this locked gate on the waterfront. It was beautiful. And uh, just if you say yes to things, then crazy things open up. 
Was there anyone in your life, and you have to name them by name, or you can call them out, either way, <laughs> um, who were the people that were that might have held you back, who were, again, and I don't want to say not supportive, because we I have people in my life who are supportive in that, oh, yeah, you can do it, but then they're worried. Maybe it's because they worry too much or things like that. Did you guys have anyone in your life that was overly worried or overly dramatic about this trip that you had to kind of assage their fears, or was everyone like, all right, this is cool. You guys, you can make it work. You're, you're two people who kind of get it. Well, actually, I'll take that one because um, we didn't tell my parents um, okay. until much later. We told his parents and I knew they'd be worried. You know, my, I think my dad still thinks we're going to die out there on the road. Um, it's a dangerous lifestyle, he thinks. But I think they're getting more comfortable with us being out there and trusting our decision making processes and the places that we stay. Um, but in terms of their influence, um, Mike and I are kind of like a solid little crew. Like we're not going to really be influenced by much else from outside and especially naysayers because what we want we're going to go after yeah that's awesome you mike vincent yes. Vinny, yeah yeah and Full van haley vincent. right yes, like there's exactly. the only four people that matter right. or only four right. things that matter yep. in life yeah i love that that you just say i'm going to do this i'm going to make it work if you're a naysayer you know there's ways to get around those obstacles like mm -hmm. by not telling them right. or not telling them until later and just saying i'm going to go i'm going to go forth i'm going to do this i'm going to prove that it can be done kind of like you talk about just like with the work i'm going to prove it can be done and i'm going to do it so well that you can't really be a naysayer anymore because mm -hmm. i'm showing you that it's possible yeah and, and I mean, there's there was a risk in taking this leap and jumping into the whole van thing and quitting our jobs and taking up our own work. But there's risks in everything else too. If you if you still work the nine to five office job, I've gotten laid off from other jobs, and uh, you know I've got, I've been in positions where I couldn't afford the mortgage and those things. So there's a risk to everything, and uh, you just kind of go for it anyway. Yeah, I th I, that's a great point because so many people feel like there's so much stability when they're working for a company or, or something else. And we always say, if you're betting on yourself, that's the most stability you can give yourself because you're then in control completely of whether something fails or doesn't. Right. And I would rather do that than have a boss tell me like, oh yeah, you're great, but by the way, uh, clean out your desk, right? Or something <laughs> like that because then you sometimes you have no control over that. Right. Yeah, so then when you guys were on the road or when you were getting ready to hit the road, did you have and do you still have any sort of timeline? Is it indefinite? Is it open-ended? Or was there a, hey, let's go for three months or six months and reevaluate and see how it's going and maybe come back? The first time we hit the road, we did, like I told my old company, I said, hey, we're going to go for a year. And they said, oh, that's great. You know, welcome. You can come back whenever you want. Um, and in the back of our minds, we were telling people a year, we knew, we kind of knew it would be longer. And within, you know, 30 days or 60 days on the road, we were like, yeah, this has to be longer. This the, one year is not going to be enough. Um, and so we keep telling everyone it's just open-ended until, until it doesn't work or we get tired or um, whatever else comes about. We're just going to keep uh, keep at it. And one of the reasons we had a one year is because we do own a house in Baltimore that we have renters in right now. And so they signed a one-year um, lease agreement. So we're like, okay, well, we even though you know we might hate it once we get on the road we are committed because we spent right. so much time and energy building this van like we're going to do it but luckily we didn't need to jump out of the van cuz we we love it i think that's a good point too that you you can force yourself to spend long, like to not give up on something mm -hmm. if you don't like it as much as you think immediately. Because you have all these expectations and then the yeah, first time the van breaks down or first time you get a flat tire, you're like, this sucks, it's raining, right? You <laughs> yeah. might be ready to throw it in. But if you put these things in and say, all right, well, I'm committed to this because of this reason, because we have renters in our house, so we're not coming back. When Heather and I moved to Japan, we knew our contract was one year. And if it was awful, 
we were only going to stay one year. If it was good, we'd, we'd go two years, which is what we end up doing. I think that's a good thing for people to do when they're taking on these adventures, because if not, there might be that chance that they, they give up because it gets hard here and there. Right. Were there ever any times, I know you said, all right, we're going to do it a year, but were there any times in the beginning that you thought, all right, what did we like sign ourselves up for? Like we told people a year, we might have to come back with our tail between our legs. Like we're not going to make it. I honestly can't think of a moment that June or July. What was it? The accident. Yeah, no, it still didn't. It still didn't happen. Um, well, we so, got to hear the story. All yeah. right, so there's an accident. Right. So um, it was Fourth of July, and we were in San Francisco, and uh, it was freezing too. I don't know why we spent Fourth of July in San Francisco, but uh, so that night we saw the fireworks down by the water, and then we found a, a parking spot in the Presidio. It's up near the Golden Gate Bridge Park, and uh, it was this little, little road. It was quiet. It was kind of dark, and there were a few other RVs lined up on the, li- on the side of the road, and we just like kind of pulled in line and shut off the lights, and we went to bed. And about one thirty in the morning, we were woken by this horrible crash and someone had rear-ended us as we were sleeping you know it's disorienting and all of our cabinets opened up everything went flying and Jess says oh I think we got hit and I'm like okay so we open up the back window and we see someone's bumper is in underneath our bed basically (laughs) and uh so she's like oh are you you okay and this guy gets out of his car and Jess like through the window she's like are you okay is everyone all right and he gets spooked and he's like oh no there's someone in the car so he rushes back around the driver's side pulls out and pulls away so it was a hit and run and we didn't get a license plate or anything like that and so we're like just disabled now on the side of the road and trying to piece everything together and you know eventually it's just like any other accident the cops come they take the report and um we have to limp basically to uh our nearest friend, luckily, was in San Jose, and uh, we took it to the body shop, and he took us in for, it took a month to wow. get the van repaired. But again, like we never said, let's throw in the towel. We didn't give up. We continued to check out Southern California in a rental car, and we couch surfed for a while, and uh, until the van was repaired, we moved back in and, and made our way. So, um, How you know. long into your trip was that? That was in the beginning. Yeah, that was July. In the so, so we started in, in like April, in. May, June, July. So it was, yeah, three, four months in. Yeah. So yeah. if there was ever going to be a time, it's like, all right. You know, people will say, oh, the universe is telling me this wasn't meant to be. We're right. already, we're two months in and we have to spend a month right. not in our van, yeah. basically, to get repaired. When you did that, so you were you were staying with friends and couch surfing mm-hmm. and just made your way up and down the yeah. coast. That's pretty neat because it's a it's a whole different experience now. You plan to be in the van with you guys, you know, a little bit isolated or insular because right. you have your own life, and all of a sudden you're kind of out meeting people and meeting mm-hmm. exactly people on the road or friends. Yeah, yeah, and completely disorganized. We were living out of paper bags. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Which is I mean, much different than the van organization. Right, the van is small, but when you unload it and you unpack everything you have in there, it just spreads out. And uh, trying to translate that into a rental car and couch it just didn't work so uh you know we were happy to get the van back and um but from all of that we basically learned where to park and where not to park you know uh, it was a lesson and uh we every time something goes wrong we learn from it and hopefully we just don't make the same mistake twice when you guys first started out did you put away money into savings and say, because I know you said you're going you're gonna to be working, suggest you're a freelancer, Mike, you're like, I can pick up work, and I know you do some, some stuff now like freelance drawing and, and are an artist there. In the beginning, did you say, we're going to save X amount of money for our trip as like a nest egg, or was it just like, no, we're going to make, like, 
the the money we make on the road is going to be what is going to sustain us. Yeah, that's the the latter. Um, the money we make on the road is is what keeps the wheels rolling, and we've we've even ha- been able to pay down debt on the road. So it, it definitely wasn't something where we're depending on savings um, because honestly, we just didn't have them. Yeah. And and one of the tricky parts about the van uh, versus other types of travel is that in order to get it up and running, it takes, in our case, building to the level we want takes at least $10,000 of of materials and uh, the the solar components and the toilet and the heater. And building a tiny house, um, you know, is a big investment right there. So uh, hitting the road with a little nest egg is is even more difficult. Yeah, because you're already you usually have the upfront cost versus right, right. I'm gonna fly to Budapest and the, your only upfront cost is like a ticket at that point exactly. or something like that. Right. So with the with the first van that you guys have, how how much did it cost you? Like how much were you all in when you first hit the road from buying the van to then? And you can talk about how you found the van as well. But from buying the van to then also the amount of money that you needed for the materials. How much did that roughly cost you up yeah, front? Yeah, the, the first van, uh, luckily, I mean, we, we've we gotten very lucky with finding vans. Uh, we've only ever looked at two vans and bought both of them. So uh, so the first 100%. van. Yeah, right. If you guys have a van you want to sell, <laughs> just find these guys. They'll buy it from right. you. It doesn't even matter what type of van it is. Yeah, so the first van uh, we actually bought from a dealer, uh, but it was their loaner vehicle. So let's say you had, you'd get your Sprinter worked on. They would give you this van for a week or whatever it took. Um, so it was pretty well maintained. And, uh, so we bought that van. It was two, about two or three years old at that point. We bought that for 30 some thousand dollars and, uh, put about 10 to 12,000 into it. And then we were on the road. What's amazing. I just saw their van right before this podcast, guys. Unfortunately, it's not a video. All right. Take you, take you around, but we'll get some pictures up on the show notes and also you can see it, but you did, you guys did all the work on both vans now yourself, which is pretty not pretty impressive it's very very impressive what did that process look like how did you have the confidence that you could do it and were there snags that you ran into when you're like "Uh oh i I thought i could do this and all of a sudden it's not working uh yeah i mean it was definitely a daunting task uh luckily i had a background like i said in architecture in design and uh i was building some furniture on the side and i was always tinkering with some woodworking and and these kinds of things so i just kind of jumped in and I actually, the very first build, I did blindly in a way that uh, was almost fun and challenging in a way. So I I didn't do any research. I didn't reach out to other people who've done it. I didn't read blogs or forums. I just said, you know what? Like, let's let's do this the way it feels right. And luckily, for the most part, it all worked out. And then the second time around, I took exactly what I did the first time and just improved on it. Um, we beefed up where we needed to and... Uh, made it made it better than the first one what were the biggest improvements from van one to two like what were the things that when you had to do the second van and again we'll get to the story of why we're just going to keep teasing <laughs> it out like why are they in the second van why are they in the second van what are the things that you did in van two that you're like this makes life so much better than what we did in van one uh, so far, we haven't found the big improvement. The the biggest thing, the difference between the two is the van two is three feet shorter. So it is a smaller package all the way around. Was but, that by design? Did you want something smaller so that it was easier to drive? Or was it just, the, again, you buy whatever van's in front of you. So that was just, <laughs> that was, in front that was partly it. Uh, yeah. But also we liked the challenge. We we were already living this minimal compact little lifestyle and we said you know what let's see how far we can push it so um, now the second van is shorter 
It does have some four by four capability. So with that, we can maneuver better. We can drive into cities. We can park easier. We could get up some forest roads a little better. The last one felt a little bit like a boat sometimes. And now we're, now we're a little more uh, nimble, let's say. What is the hardest part? Because if we watch Insta or if we look at Instagram, life is great, right? Band out there, you'll be like, oh my gosh, this is the best lifestyle ever. What are the difficult parts of life on the road and van living? Like, what are the things that stick out? You're like, this is not what we share on Instagram, or maybe you do to share that too, but the obstacles. So, I mean, a lot of people do this differently. Everyone has their own iteration of van life and how they see it. But for us, we chose not to um, sleep very often in campgrounds or RV parks. So I think the challenge for us is finding a safe place to sleep at night. And like Mike said, we are, we, you know, we have a set of criteria that every night we have to go through and say, is this place safe? Are we going to get hit? Is there traffic? Is there a security guard is going to knock on the door at night? And so you're kind of always on edge. You're never right. in a full, um, fully welcomed when you, when you live in a stealth camper. Um, and then the other thing is that you don't have a physical community. So when you're in home, you have a neighbor and you have like the person down the street that you go to the bar with all the time and you have the bartender. Um, but we're in a new place every couple days. So we don't have that physical community. So that's really why we've turned to Instagram and, and Facebook to create a virtual community for ourselves and, and know, you know, Hey, where, where are you at? And we can meet people out there catch up with old friends. Um, so it's just a shift in what you identify with as community. What was the rationale behind not going to campgrounds and RV parks? And where is it that you park? Like, was it, oh, we want to save money? Or was it, this is more adventurous? What's the rationale behind where you choose to to park? And what are those things that, if anyone else is interested in, do it's like, what is your checklist of you said, hey, we kind of got to go through to make sure that this is a good spot. What are some of those things? Yeah, I actually have a whole blog post on that. I haven't posted oh, yet. Perfect. But maybe, okay. maybe it'll be up soon. Oh, okay, there we <laughs> go. We're going to hold your feet to the yeah, fire there. Yeah, exactly. I needed that. Um, so it, it's a mixture of both. We don't really want to spend money. Like when people give us recommendations and it's always like a beer brewery, like or food like we don't want to spend money like the point of this is not to consume it's to consume less mm. so we don't want to spend money um so we're looking for things that are free essentially and so a lot of times you can find um blm land which is bureau of land management out west and this is federally owned and run land that you can camp on for up to 14 days so we are completely off grid we have solar we have water um everything we need to live off grid in our van um so we don't need a hookup and honestly, at campgrounds, you have these gigantic RVs and there's generators and it's noisy and people are, are, are weekend campers and it's a whole different vibe. When we go out there, like we'd rather not have a generator next to us. We want to sit at a campfire and just watch the stars like, and not be having noise pollution next to us. So that's okay. Then that makes sense. What are the checklist things that you go through? Because again... I'm with you. I think if I was doing it, I would do it the same way. I wouldn't want to be in campgrounds. In fact, the first time I went to a campground, like car camping, I had been in Boy Scouts and we just like hiked in and camped. Someone's like, oh, you want to go camp? We park our car. I'm like, I'm, wait, my tent is next to someone else's mm -hmm. car. They're like, yeah, this is camping. I'm like, not the camping I've ever done. Yeah, so I'm with you with that. But it obviously adds the stress of, yeah, we need to we need to go through this checklist. And again, we're not, mm -hmm. maybe we're not as welcome. What is like, what are the main things of the checklist yeah. that you look for that you're like, if something has, if they have one of these, you're like, no, nah, this is not going to work for us. And the checklist I think is important in both rural and urban settings. Cause clearly it's, it's a different situation when yeah. you're in an urban setting. I didn't even think about 
urban as much because in my head I'm thinking yeah, we, rural. We've, we've spent the last two nights in Baltimore City, and mm-hmm. you know, uh, luckily it's a city that we know well, uh, and we know what neighborhoods are good. But uh, we can, you know, with with our setup, we can park right on the neighborhood street. Nobody knows we're there. So criteria. Uh, yeah. So, uh, I mean, in the urban setting, we first look at parking signs, you know, no parking or hourly restrictions or uh, things like that. We check to see, look, you know, I've actually pulled up crime maps before just see like, what is the crime in this neighborhood? And, uh, you know, low traffic and uh, it's just, it, you just have to get a good vibe from it. But these whole, the whole urban stealth camping does keep you a little more on edge and you, you can't open your doors and you can't uh hang out at night you can't uh you feel a little bit like a prisoner inside yeah, you don't want van. anyone to know what's in your van because right. it makes you a target obviously exactly. right so yeah we put blackout curtains up and so yeah. from the outside you can't see in yeah but the joy of the urban camping is that uh we can spend all day exploring new cities we, we can pull a lot of times what we do is we park the van out in the kind of the edge of the city, some neighborhoods, and then we'd bike in and we mm. pull the bikes out and we we explore all day. We hang out in the parks. We do whatever we want, come back to the van at night, uh, close up and go to bed. And then in rural country, um, that checklist gets a whole lot smaller. It's just, mm-hmm. are we allowed to be here? Uh, which way is the sun going to come up? Uh, is there hot spring nearby? <laughs> Uh, those kinds of things. Yes, and, hot yeah. springs always are a must. I was actually just going to ask about showering and bathing. What what is like how do you end up doing that especially if you're in an urban setting i guess you you can't or is there places that you like yeah. i don't know you 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 go um, stealth into a hotel and well, hop in a shower or what? Uh, yeah so a great little a little hack is uh, uh anytime fitness or 24 hour fitness um we have two memberships it's 20 something bucks a month and uh we have a key fob that gets us access to over they have 3000 locations wow. 24 hours a day, we can walk in, take a shower, work out if you want to. They have that too. But uh, <laughs> for you, this guy's the shower is yeah, more important. Right, yes, exactly. exactly. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a great little uh, little thing. It's, and oftentimes we park there too. Uh, we know it's a 24-hour business. Uh, they have great parking lots and it's our, it's our go-to. So you guys get more use out of that than probably anyone else who goes to the gym like every day for four hours. You're getting showers. You're yes. getting parking spots. Right. Yeah, you're getting a home and a shower. They have Wi-Fi. It's, oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. All right. That is a fan. That is like, that might be the hack of the show. We'll see at the end <laughs> yeah. if there's anything else. But that is, that's a really good one. Do you guys have certain plans or routes? Is there, do you put in, all right, we're going to be at this place by this time. Um, so we have three days to make it there. Or are you totally just winging it? We're going to go and leave whenever we want. We're going to stay as long as we want. Uh, we do make a schedule. Sometimes we we say that we try not to because oftentimes it changes. It falls apart. But what the way we love to travel is to make a date about two months out, uh, three states away, you know, and just say, all right, we've got 90 days to make it northwest this direction. Let's see what's he- between here and there and just mm-hmm. make our way. Uh, that's a beautiful way to do it. But like right now, we do have something scheduled for about a week and a half from now in northern Pennsylvania. So, uh, you know, we've got a couple of stops we're going to make and we're going to make our way up there. Two months and three states away. That's a cool little <laughs> right. tagline. Yeah, right? yeah. Like that's how you it's, travel. Uh, Two months and three states. Right. And you'll right. make your way around the U.S. eventually. Yeah. Is there anything that you thought would be really hard about the van life? Like going back to when you first started, you're like, all right, this is going to be the, the hard part of it that ended up not being harder or is there any other misconceptions that you had that ended up either not being true or something you didn't even think about that then you're like well i didn't know this was going to happen i don't know I, I think we went into it without with as few expectations as possible we've been pleasantly surprised by it all so 
I don't know. That's a difficult okay. question. Yeah. 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 Well, I guess if you I have don't no have a solid answer for that. Yeah, right. and I guess if you have no expectation, I think you guys did it as well where you just you jumped into it. Mm-hmm. So right. it was almost naivety is bliss. Hey, we want to do it. We're going to do it. And then you're doing it versus, oh, we have two years to yeah. figure it and out. We're going to think about, yeah. We've met a lot of people who are saying, oh, I want to get into a van. I want to do this and do this. And someone used the word analysis paralysis. Yep. And uh, I thought that was beautiful. And a lot of people suffer from it and we can see it. And, you know, they're like, oh, I just can't find the van. I've been looking for three years. I was like, that's impossible. <laughs> you know, there are tons of vans out we there. We bought two in three years <laughs> right, and right. we haven't even looked. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, just go for it and uh, just don't look back. Yeah. I think the analysis paralysis happens in, in everything, whether it be yeah. vans, whether it be starting businesses, people be like, oh, I just want to make sure I'm doing the right thing. And I think, Listen, five years ago, I had no idea what I was going to do and no idea it would turn into this and Mm -hmm. the stuff that we all do. If you take that step, that's when stuff's going to open up versus trying to figure out what you want to do and not even having any idea what that even looks like because you haven't done anything in that realm before. Right, right. I would even do that in building the van. I mean, so we worked together very closely over the past month, too too closely, actually. (laughs) And sometimes uh, she would get into the van and we'd have a little project about the cabinets or about the whatever. And she'd be like, okay, so let's draw it out and let's think this through. I was like, no, I can't. I just got to like, let me just do it. We're going to, I said like, if we do anything, it's good. If we do it, like just keep the ball rolling, keep moving uh, and don't overanalyze it. Yeah. And I think an important thing is that we'd never seen a self-made camper before we started. Um, on the East Coast, fan life is not a thing. I mean, it's it's just not. Um, so slowly we're finding people out here that that are from here and are inspired by our page and follow us. But um, there certainly wasn't a big presence. So I think that was another big thing that we didn't have like a precedence for this. Yeah, you didn't have to set your expectations or see someone else's design and think, oh man, that looks so much better than what I could do. You just, hey, we're going to, this is what's in my head. Let's build it mm-hmm. and we can change it as we go. If yeah, we want and, to. and because it's all custom, you can make your list of priorities and build to those priorities. And I think that's a big difference in the beauty of the van life and especially people who build their own vans is it, it, the choice is yours to live how you want. So just create the life that you want. What were your priorities with building the vans? Specifically, what did you guys say? Hey, we're going to include this because for our lifestyle, this is important. Yeah, uh, we prioritize uh, seating and a workspace. So basically, uh, we've met people who don't have a table and and it just boggles our mind how you can, you know, it, you need to make money, you need to be able to work and working at a proper desk is is critical. And uh, some people go to Starbucks and they spend all day in, in a cafe trying to get their work done. But we in both vans have made priority for a big table that we can both sit at. Um, I can spread out large drawings and I can do do my work and Jess can set up her computer and uh, we, we make it happen that way. And the other thing was gear storage. So um, our bed is, um, I guess, elevated, a platform. Lofted. It's lofted. It's a platform yes. bed. And so it's permanently affixed. Some people make this convertible table that pops down and it's chairs. Um, but for us, that just didn't work because we wanted all of our gear inside. We want our bikes inside, the surfboard, inflatable stand-up paddleboard, ski gear, snowboard. I mean, we have everything you need for four seasons of adventure, um, and, and that priority for us was to have that gear protected and inside and not available for robbers or, or, or people to um, vandalize it. Yeah, the outdoor, the amount of outdoor gear you had when you opened the back. Um, yeah, we're talking two bikes. What did you say? Two bikes, skis, snowboard, skateboard, 
Stand-up yeah. paddleboard. And a little five-foot surfboard. Surfboard. I Back- mean, backpacking, equipment. backpacking gear. Burning Man costumes. Burning, yeah, yeah, Burning Man costumes. That was one of the boxes. I like that. <laughs> like three boxes, one of them Burning Man yes. gear. Yes. Yeah. That is, it, it was absolutely mind-boggling that all of that was in there. And it's it's super organized. Now, have you seen, because what gave me pause for when I want to do it was like, all right, these guys are super organized and everything's in its own little spot and it looks awesome. I know how I am. I couldn't be that organized. Have you seen people with van life that are maybe a little more free spirited with their organization? Definitely. Yeah. The, the the beautiful thing about van life is there's a spectrum of people and what they want and what they get out of it. Um, some people are just, you know, to use the term lovingly dirtbagging it, you know, and, uh, and then there's some people who, uh, also don't carry anything you know and they just they say i'm gonna f- see what's out there and uh i don't know how they do that either but uh like i said you, you get to prioritize exactly what you want mm-hmm. and make and, it make it fit and then there's some people who have ice makers in their van so yes. i mean it goes luxury yes. spectrum yeah. too yeah, we, it goes we, we camped sides. for a few days with a guy and he had uh more solar than i've ever seen and bigger batteries and he had an ice maker and we definitely took him up on the offer <laughs> we said all right we'd love some ice because yeah. you know we we miss that from time to time yeah and, we don't have a freezer right how would you compare your van in the spectrum of vans of like the the very low end super budget vans to this guy with an ice maker or maybe you've seen even ones that are crazier where would you put yours on the spectrum of that yeah to of the luxury yeah. let's call it the luxury van spectrum where do you guys think you fall uh i that's that's hard to say i mean exa- you we built it to exactly what we want and to us we are living in luxury but to someone else we're not you know uh it's so um i don't know yeah, I think because it's so different and, and also because we built it ourselves, like we don't have a price tag on on the labor costs. I mean, we could estimate it, but um, there's builders out there that will charge you 60 plus thousand dollars on top of the cost of the van. Um, so I don't know if cost even matters, but um, that is something that's in there, yeah. too. So. But but to answer the question, we do feel like ours is very luxurious. Sometimes I, I think it's awesome. I <laughs> walked in there and was like, we, uh, "Whoa, this is the good life. This is how I want to do van life." We have already pulled up to a national park or something like that, and uh, and it's kind of windy or rainy outside, and we're like, "We're not going outside. Like it's too nice in here." And we we kind of regret that sometimes because you know we're traveling the country. I may never be back in this beautiful spot again. But I'm going to stay inside today, and uh, that's what we do. I think sometimes you need that, whether you're traveling in a van or traveling in any other fashion. I actually learned this this the hard way a little bit. We were in China, and I, Heather and I, I'm always go, 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 go. Like, I want to get out and see stuff. What if I'm never here again? Let me, like, run around all day and do as much as possible. Heather is like that, but a little less. And then we're uh, traveling with my buddy Napkins, who people have listened <laughs> to podcasts know Napkins uh, and love Napkins. But he, one day, we're in China. We're like, we're going to the highest cable car in the world. We're going up to the top of this mountain. It's 18,000 feet. You got to come. And he just was like, no. I'm like, what do you mean, no? This is, I'm not asking you. Like, we're going. This is the highest cable car in the world. You have to go. He was like, no, no, no. I just want to sit in and uh, play my, like, I wasn't a Game Boy, Nintendo, but it wasn't a Switch. I don't know. Some portable yeah. device uh, and, like, reading. And he had been a little burnt out on travel because we had traveled a lot more than he had. And we were in China. It was some tougher traveling and he was just a little burnt out and he needed that time to decompress do something quote-unquote normal read a book that you could do anywhere and not get out and and be in the world and so i remember i was so angry at him 
for not coming. Yeah. And we came back. And I wanted to rub it in. Like, oh, it was so cool. And then the next day I thought, you know what? He's very content with not going. And let him be content. And let that be a lesson that sometimes you do have to take some time off half a day a day to just say, I'm going to do something normal. Like, I'm going to make myself feel okay again. Maybe I'm burnt out. Maybe I'm just tired, whatever. Right. And I think that's that's a lesson that can only be learned when you're are someone who goes, goes, goes so much, you have to rein yourself in a little bit. Yeah, and and traveling full-time like like we do, this becomes part of your lifestyle. So you can't just go, go, go all the time. Uh, sometimes we set up a movie in the back of the van and we watch that, or sometimes we go to a movie theater and feel like normal people. And uh, so we get to do whatever feels right. How quickly, I know you said the, the two months, three states, you know, kind of motto, but how quickly are you moving around? Like, is... On average, how long is the van parked in one place? Or did that kind of ebb and flow too as your journey went on? It, it does ebb and flow. But we we looked at the last year and kind of took an average of miles and, and days. And, and it feels like most often we drive, let's say Monday we'll drive two days or two hours, drive two hours on Monday, and then we'll stay put for Tuesday and Wednesday in some cool spot. And then Thursday, we're like, all right, we've had enough of this. We drive another two to four hours, and then we stay a few days there. So... um on average, we drive about uh, you know less than an hour a day, but uh, in the past year we did thirty thousand miles. So uh, it was a it was a good uh, and you know and so that would be it took us three months to get down the west coast, three months to get from Seattle to San Diego, but then we have also crossed the entire country in ten days. So uh, when you average that all out, is where you get those numbers. Yeah, I was going to ask you what is the what is the longest haul that you've done in the van? Maybe it's most hours per day or just most continuous days traveling. What's What was that longest point where you thought, all right, this is a, quite a lot of driving? Yeah, we've done that several we've times. We've had to do several of those cross-country drives. Yeah, uh, one, actually two of them were for weddings. So we, we try to, you know, we, we, we've made it to two weddings, one in Seattle and one in New Jersey. And, uh, you know, a week before that wedding, we weren't on that coast. So <laughs> we, we made that twice. Um, and then also... One of the bucket list things when we set out on this whole trip was to go see a concert at Red Rocks in uh, in Denver, and uh, we were still in San Jose recovering from that first accident about uh, three days before the concert, and so we drove eighteen hundred miles through the night. Uh, you know, arrived bloodshot, and and we made it, but uh, that was a painful drive. Was the concert was it worth it? Who'd you see, and was it worth it? Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, it was the head and the heart. The head and the heart. Oh, and Heather's going to, that's her favorite. And we <laughs> went and saw them here in Philly and she yeah. already just said to me, we're going again. Like they're coming back through yeah. here. And uh, yeah. okay. And you saw them at Red Rock. Exactly. Awesome. Right. Yeah. So. That was my bucket list. Yeah. Okay. So it was worth it. Well worth it. It then. was. Yes. All right. You guys talked about working really closely on this last van build out. What's the most annoying thing that the other person does? Like you're in close quarters and Heather and I are in close quarters because we live, travel, and work together. But we have a house, right? Like, I can go in my office, shut the door, she can go in my room. Not as much freedom for, for you guys. Is there one thing that you think, and I, I mean, I'm putting you under the microscope sure. here, but one thing that you're like, okay, this is the one thing that annoys me when I'm in this close contact with the other person. I'm gonna let you go first because I feel like you already know my annoyances. Well, there's, pretty there's a few. But, but I think it boils down to, and I... I now that you put me on the spot, I can't think of all of the things that. She, that well, uh, yeah. Well, we, right. we don't want you guys but, to get divorced here, so you don't have to mention all. <laughs> just maybe one, and we'll try to do it politely. I think but. one of the things comes down to the fact that 
I see myself as an artist and a bit of a free thinker and a designer and a creative type. And Jess is a scientist and she was raised by an engineer. And so she, you know, she says someone must have done this before. Let's research how they did it and why they did it, how to do it best. And I say, no, let me just discover it. I want to do this organically. Uh, let me use the whatever side of the brain, left side, right brain. I don't know which one it is. Whichever, yeah, whichever right. one's a creative one. Yeah, let I me use my creative brain. Left, but I could. I be don't wrong. think the science is real, guys. Sorry. No, <laughs> there's no, there's no left and right. This is yeah, a scientist right. exactly, talking, right. so exactly. we have to believe her when she's yeah. saying the science isn't real. So that's that's yours. It's like just the difference in kind of ways to go about certain the, things. The process. Yeah, yes. the process. Yeah. 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 And I mean, that. what I was going to say is that when we are tackling a problem, I want to talk about it. I want to work through it. I want to vocalize it. I want to write little things down and like work together. And he's completely internalized. Oh, um, yeah, I also... He, he wants no input from me. So that makes it very difficult to work on projects together. So what we found is that we can be in the same space, but we have to have separate projects. Right. I, I work alone. I mean, that's just the, the way I enjoy it, the way I do most of my work, um, even my art. Um, uh, during the day, I go off and I just sketch by myself alone, staring at a thing for a long time. And then most nights when she goes to bed, I stay up for another few hours and I work. And that's what, the way I work best. And uh, she works, you know, her, her day job is collaboration with a whole team of people. And that's the way she likes it. That is the way I like it. So yeah. you're you're the you're the one who wants to be around people mm -hmm. or like being not the life of the party, but engaged in connecting. Absolutely. And Mike, you're like, just get I'll sit on a rock and I'll sketch that rock for five hours. I'll come back and be the happiest guy around. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Is there anything that you have done on this in this past year on this trip where you have gone off solo? Like I, I don't know, one of you taking the van, the other staying behind, or is, has it all been together? Well, I, I fly pretty frequently, maybe once oh, a right. month for, okay. to go see clients. Um, so that gives him a lot of alone time, which I, I know he appreciates. some great sketching done when she's gone. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. Your sketches always turn out so good when I'm not there. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, and his sketches are on drawnthere.com, by the way, available for purchase or custom commissions. There yeah. you go. Yeah. Okay, yeah. drawn there. So you have vanthere.com and drawn there. Exactly. Yes. Okay. Keeping yeah. it simple. Keeping yeah. the branding simple. Yeah. Right. The right. family of brands. Uh -huh. so, so you go off and... When you do go up, Jess, and you come, you know, and you go back to quote unquote the real world. And I know you guys are working with people, and you are in the real world, but you're in, you're also in your bubble of this this life that not many people lead. Is it difficult? Is it different? Is there like, do you come back and think, whoa, I'm I'm happy to be back a little bit because it gives me perspective. Yeah, I'll say, um, one, my arms start hurting a lot sooner when I curl my hair because I don't do that very often anymore <laughs> or wear heels. So I have my one black dress and one pair of heels that I bring to all my meetings. I'm sure they're getting tired of it. Sorry, everyone. Um, but the perspective, I think, is um, just that corporate world is is much different than you know our daily lives that we live. But I, I love being involved with the clients and with the agency. So I feel like it's, it's not like a negative feeling that I have towards it. Um, I think when I go to the hotels, I see a lot of waste now, like mm. running water, plastic wrapping. I think I've been a little bit more aware now of our environmental impact as we've been living in the van. And I think that's really the biggest thing that I see really is consumption changes between that style of living and, and the way that we live now. But you you generally do like the kind of the bounce back and forth. Yeah, to see, absolutely. To the see balance. both. Yeah. Yeah. And Mike, for you, not 
go, I mean, obviously you've come home and stuff like that, but not going into a corporate world, not going into an office, not having to deal with that. Have there ever been things that you've missed about home life or, or having a home or anything like that? Not, not really, not, not in that regard. Um, but I do realize that the longer we stay out here on the road, the harder it will be if we ever want to go back to whatever that nine to five is. And we've basically come to the realization that whatever comes next is not going to be the orthodox uh, way of, of living. So um, basically the, the thing we realize is that every time we look at that, that quote unquote real world, it affirms the choices we've made and the, how happy we are with where we are right now. Yeah. And it lets you appreciate. And I think just for you, probably too, you get to appreciate, you go back, you see, you know, you enjoy, you're probably like, it's nice to get dressed up here and there, be on someone else's dime at a hotel, but then say like, I appreciate the life that I am leading here and that that this isn't my day to day. It sounds like. Yeah. And, and I love the freedom that freelancing offers because you know, I can be on a phone call. I think I was on a phone call watching dolphins in Florida one time. And like, I felt really bad. I didn't want, I didn't tell the person, you know, that I was talking to that I saw dolphins because I know like, I know that they're going crazy in the office and like working super hard. And I almost feel guilty that I'm able to dabble in both of these realms. Yeah, it is. I, I get what you're saying. Cause I certainly feel that way. I, we were out like middle of the day, right? To go get lunch because it's Tuesday, Wednesday. I remember I was sitting there with Heather and we had a sushi restaurant down the road and these people walked in like khakis, polos, buttoned down. Like, you know, they were like, it was, it might have even been a fry. Maybe it was like their casual wear. And I'm looking at them thinking, I would never want to put that on. And that for them is probably like this sense of relief. Like, I don't have to wear a shirt and tie. I'm in casual wear. And I'm outside of the office going to lunch. And for me, I thought like, that would be awful and they're happy about it. And so it really drove home the dichotomy, but also the, it wasn't a guilt, but it was, it put it in perspective that, you know, things are really good and there are sacrifices that all of us have to make being location dependent, doing our own businesses, things like that. But I will take them a thousand times over right. to be able to have yeah. all that. The sacrifice freedom. they are making is wearing the polo and the khakis. Yeah. But, right. Uh, right. You know, it's, it's all, it's all equal. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and everyone has to make that decision. And it's certainly not for everyone, but, but if you're listening to this, you're probably like, yeah, I'd tend towards the more travel, more freedom, more mm-hmm. independence side. Do you guys have a, a day-to-day schedule? Because I know for me, when I first started working for myself and having my own business, that was one of the hard, the biggest struggles and hardest things was no one is telling me what to do. So yes, I know it has to get done, but if it doesn't, it's on me. And so it was it was pretty hard to get myself into a schedule that worked because, you know, either I was working way too much and it'd be like late at night and I couldn't stop or I'd be like, oh, I'm not going to do anything today. Do you have a, a day-to-day? Are there certain days that you're like, these are for these tasks? I mean, for my work, like my client work, that it's a lot of times fire control. So I, I manage things as they come at me. Um, so sometimes that can be unpredictable. Um, but in terms of like, running the Instagram account or you you running your art business. Um, I think you're right. Like you do have to kind of put some rigor on yourself to write a blog post every week or whatever your goal is um, that you do need to be a little, um, I guess, accountable. Yeah. But one, one of the things that you, that you really enjoy about your work is you are the person they come to when they need something done. You know, so like their work day is over at 7 p.m. And luckily we're on West Coast time and they say, Jess, we need like four more hours of work. Can you finish this up? And we, we say, sure. Like no matter what, wherever we are, 
it's worth it to drop that and you know make some money and that's what we got to do yeah and then with my work I just really enjoy it. And so it does, never has felt like work. Um, even right now, I have a little backlog of some drawings I got to get to, some commissions. Um, Send Jess away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. she goes I, yeah on next vacation. week, I'm going to Boston. Yeah, yeah, there right. you go. She goes on vacation. You yeah. can catch up. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so they take a few hours and it's it's some work, but I love it. And uh, I just, I feel lucky that I get to call that my job right now. So, And one of the neat things about that and, and Jess, you being able to take that work, like, hey, we need four more hours in, and you being able to do it and feel okay with it, A, you're getting the money, but B, you know that tomorrow you could stay in the same place. So if you miss miss this opportunity today, like, oh, I didn't get to go outside and, and I'm at this awesome national park, say, okay, well, guess what? I'll do it tomorrow or the next day. You don't, you're not hemmed in by, oh, I'm only three days here and I, if I don't see it, it's gone. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a really keen observation because that has happened to us where like we expected to go exploring and then all of a sudden I was working for, you know, 10 hours a day or whatever it was. But um, yeah, that has definitely happened to us before. And also I like your use of the word hemmed in. It's kind of a little joke we have around the, the yes. van. We were designing the van layout and there was this one seat and I thought it was very tight. And I said, it was, I feel, I feel a little hemmed in. And she was, she never heard that phrase. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm hemmed in. And so, so I, now and we overuse it. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a Pennsylvania thing or something. I just used the word preponderance two days ago and Heather's like what are you saying I'm like oh it's a preponderance of something I don't like, that's not a word I'm like yes it is a word and she looked up she's like oh you use that correctly that means like a, a larger quantity of them. I'm like yeah I just I, it's isn't it funny language when you say something or someone says something and you've never heard it and then all of a sudden right. it comes up all the time you yeah. use it mm-hmm. and you're like this is the perfect word for this situation <laughs> yeah and I, I think that that comes the hemmed in and not feeling hemmed in comes from the idea of slow travel, which I'm a big proponent of. I I have a hard time forcing myself to do it because Mm -hmm. I always want to move to the next thing, to the next thing and see more and more and more. But it is the idea that this is our lifestyle. Now we're in the van. We could come as we and go as we please. This is our lifestyle. So we are slow traveling. And if we want to spend three more days in Seattle, because you had to work a ton, let's do it. And let's, we don't have to miss this because because we build it as our lifestyle versus the even people with two, three, four, five weeks of vacation, you're still on someone else's time crunch. Yeah. And you guys don't have that. Right? Yeah. And actually after I think after Christmas, between New Year's and some event and later January, February, we didn't have a schedule. So we got to a spot in New Mexico outside of White Sands and it was gorgeous. And then we met some other van lifers. So we stayed like three more days because why not? I mean, we're here, there's internet service, so I can still work if I need to. Um, and you know, the place is beautiful. So let's enjoy it. They had a lake right there, stand up paddleboard every day. And I think when you take, take the time to make those things a priority, um, it's, it's a, an important place for you to be. Yeah, I think that's the true beauty of a location-independent lifestyle. We, we, I mean, we say location-independence, but it's really location-independence, time-independence, financial independence, all that kind of stuff wrapped into one where you say, I'm living the, my life. Like, my life is what I want versus what someone else is, is making it there. We talked about telling the story about why you're on your second band. We might as well get to that. Um, what happened? Because you said there hasn't been a time where you thought, all right, we're not going to do this van life. But you, I mean, just recently, obviously, you had something happen that that set you guys. Well, I don't know if it set you back, but it was something that was unexpected. Yeah. So uh, recently, in early March, we were uh, just wrapping up our ski season. So we we had uh, 
what did we do? We did the um, Mountain, Mount, Collective, Mountain Collective Ski Pass. I don't know if... Yeah, I, if, which is awesome. I yes. I have never had it. We did the Epic Pass, which is right. more Colorado-centric. Yeah. But yeah. Well, it was perfect for us. And it, it is perfect. It took you guys us, just bump around. Yeah, what is so, it? Three, five days at each? Two uh, days. Two, two, just two days. That's all. Just okay, two, two days, days yeah, at yeah. each mountain. And uh, it took us from California up to Montana and all over the place. So uh, it was a great package. But we were headed to Sun Valley, Idaho. Um, from Big Sky, Montana. Yeah, so we were leaving Big Sky, headed to Sun Valley, and uh, we were going to meet some friends there and they were waiting for us. And, and we thought about stopping for the night at right around sunset. We no, no, let's go. It's like two more hours. We can make it and it'll be great. Um, and so we were driving down this road uh, near Haley, Idaho, where the uh, Van Haley, Van Haley. Uh, name was inspired. And a herd of elk uh, ran out in front of us and they actually collided with us as much as we hit them. Um, but one of them did a severe amount of damage to the front of the vehicle um, and we were just, you know, sidelined. We were out of commission. So the, the van had to get towed to a, to an impound lot. And, uh, within a few days we found out that it was going to be totaled and the, the insurance company, which was another nightmare we could talk about. But, um, you know, so we, we said, all right, well, uh, we're going to have to gut this van. So we, we took everything of value out of it. Um, we spent a few days taking the electric out and the, the batteries and the plumbing and all that kind of stuff, put it into a a rented cargo van and we were going to drive back east to just kind of set up base camp and, and start over again. Um, and within about two days, we got a message from someone and he said that a van had just gone up for sale in Billings, Montana. And we said, oh, well, we're only eight hours from Billings. So yeah, when you're out there, eight hours is like the next town. <laughs> exactly. Yes, right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So uh, we, we slept an awful night in this rental van and just in the front seats, it was freezing and miserable. So we were like, uh, it's 4.30 in the morning. I can't sleep. You can't sleep. Let's just go. We're going to Billings. <laughs> Billings or bust. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so just on a whim, we walked into this dealership and it was it was beautiful. And it was just the exact van that we would have dreamed up. It was up. the same color. Yeah. I mean, right down to the color. It was the, the this blue color. Um, and uh, we said, we said, yeah, let's do it. Now, what were your thoughts in the in that moment or, or you know, once you realized you guys were okay from from after getting hit by that herd of elk, what were the initial thoughts? Like, was it, oh, dude, this is, you know, because it's never a good time. It was like, oh, this this sucks. Or was it, all right, let's figure out what we got to do. Because to me, again, talking about that defeating feeling, there's so many situations where you can either feel like totally defeated and even if you don't give up, you feel like you want to, or you can just, sometimes you feel that like energy, like, well, we're going to deal with this. This is another adventure. This is another hurdle to get over. It's not the end of the world. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, for a brief moment, we we said, all right, well, like, what do we want to do? What do you want to do? What do you want to do? And so if, I don't even know. We we fought really hard to get the van from the insurance company. We really wanted it fixed. We wanted, you know, we put a lot of effort into building that tiny home. Yeah. And, and memories so we, and all yeah, that. Yeah, right? so, we, but then we realized that it was just going to, it was going to be too much. I mean, having the experience of already having dealing with a month out of the van earlier the previous year. Um, we knew how long realistically it was going to take to get the damage done. And and do you want a van that's had a Band-Aid? I mean, it's, mm. it's just a Band-Aid to fix the frame. So we moved on. And um, pretty quickly, Mike Mike's wheels were spinning. I mean, we ended up meeting those people that we, we wanted to meet up there. And they were like, we can't believe how fast you guys are are re- like getting the next steps going. Yeah. And, but for, for a brief time, I said... 
you know, this is an opportunity. So either we can throw in the towel or we can take some of this money and go to Europe. You know, we could spend a few months in Europe bouncing around and we could do all sorts of different ideas came about. And, uh, you know, after after those 12 hours or 24 hours, we're like, no, we're, we want another van. That's what we want to do. And so that's what we, we're going to set out to do. Yeah. And I mean, that whole thing that we knew about that van is because of Instagram. Somebody tagged us in a photo and the van was... Um, ordered from a customer the previous summer and it had just arrived into the dealership and they bailed. And so they tagged us on Instagram and like within the next day we were there and we arrived five minutes before another customer to, that was coming to look and purchase the van. And, it, you know, we got in there and we were like, you know, it's a four by four, it's brand new, it's going to be over our budget. Like there was a lot of reasons not to do this. Um, but then like we got in and we're like, okay, fine, we'll test drive it. And then like Mike's face like lit up <laughs> and I was like, He's smiling. I was like, okay, he's smiling. Let's do this. We hit a herd of elk like, what, 48 hours yes. ago yeah, or something? Like yeah. yeah. And I mean, we were homeless, like literally homeless, you know, in between those moments. Um, and so it was, we we're just like, okay, let's do it. Pull the, pull the trigger. Yeah. And, you, and you did it. And yeah. all right, talk about the, not to put too much of a damper on the story, but like talk about the insurance and how that ended out, ended up playing out. Yeah. So one of the big challenges about building your own van and doing this whole DIY thing is that getting in someone to insure, getting a company to insure your work is very challenging. So we could not get it registered as an RV because no Geico or State Farm wants to stand behind my electrical work. They don't. Right. They don't believe me to be a good contractor. Mike, this random guy from Pennsylvania yeah. did exactly. all the electrical. Right, right. Um, so we had all these different ideas of how to insure our goods and our stuff, and our, it was everything we own is in that van. So um, the previous policy we had was that Geico insured the vehicle, uh, just the base vehicle, and then we took out an additional uh, policy on our homeowner's insurance to cover all the things inside. Um, and that didn't exactly work out as we had planned either, because as it turns out, we uh, don't have homeowners insurance. We have a landlord insurance based on our rental property and, uh, whatever it was, we ended up not in the favorable position, but, um, you know, we, we like, like anything else, like we got in an accident, we'll bounce back. The insurance isn't working out. We'll make it work. Um, and so that's, that's where we are right now. So. Uh, a little bit of hard work and a little bit of, um, so we also, I could mention that um, through my website, drawnthere.com, we basically put out a, a message and said, hey, we're in a, in a kind of a bad spot here, but we've been providing you, every, everyone in this Instagram community with some really good content. You guys seem to like it. You really seem to enjoy it. If you want to buy some art prints, come support us now. Now's the time we could use it. And orders just came flooding in. That's awesome. And um, so, I mean, we're so grateful for all that support. And that really helped us build so much of this new van that... Uh, almost, almost completely. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, um, you it's know... It's pretty amazing what right. can happen when, when you're putting yourself out there in your artwork and, you're, and on van there, obviously, your story and everything... And then you just, you put out a call and all these people who have been following you, who you've never met, maybe mm -hmm. they've never even posted or commented, right. will mm -hmm. come come to help because like, this was cool. This gave yeah. me, day after day I was watching them and I was living vicariously through them or they were making me more enthusiastic or they changed my life in some way. And all of a sudden they can give back. It's pretty right. cool when that yeah. that's able to happen. And, yeah. 
And it was like a, you know, we didn't want to ask people to just give us money. Like, that's not what we wanted. Right. We don't, not like a we don't donate to us. Yeah, yeah. like right. we wanted to provide them with something. And, and really, it was good for your business as well. Yeah, yeah. When yeah. you, how, how long from when you got the van in Montana to then, like, what was the time frame from getting the van to then coming back to PA and building it out? Did you come right back to Pennsylvania and build it out? And how long did that take? Yeah, so we, we came right back to Pennsylvania. That was maybe a four or five day drive. Uh, we took about a week of uh, just settling in, getting, Decompression. getting everything in order. And uh, then we just jumped right in and uh, started. We went to Lowe's every day and bought the materials and uh, got How long did it take to build this one out? About 30 days. Okay. Was but, that quicker than the previous? So much quicker. So the last time uh, we were working full-time jobs, I would work on it nights and weekends. And we were working at a storage unit, which was not ideal. So I, everything, all my tools were battery powered and I'd work at night through the winter and it was, my hands hurt and they were froze. It was not the best situation. So that last build, the first build took us about five months of, you know, spotty work here and there. This time I probably did 10 or 12 hours a day for 30 days and uh, about 300 hours later we had a we had a new van what's the best part of the new van compared to the old one what's van haley compared to i did the first one have a name babe babe the big blue van okay so van haley versus babe the big blue (laughs) van rest in peace babe Um, what's the best thing about the new about the new one uh, it's just solid we we use different materials we everything's bolted down screwed down um it doesn't creak like the last one. <laughs> you'd go over like the little potholes, and the whole thing would rattle and shake, and and it just wasn't pretty. So this one, I feel so much more confident about how it's built, mm-hmm. um, and it's insulated a little better. Uh, it's just it's just new and improved, two point I like to think it's because I was there for the process this time. Yeah, she she, she pushes me. Yeah. I saw on Instagram you were you were doing all types of yeah. stuff, painting, and I I don't know. It I'm seems like you were getter. doing a lot of work on Instagram. <laughs> so good yeah. job with that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I was always out there working. If I wasn't working on my clients, I was you know working with him. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now, if someone's looking to do this, whether whether they're looking, let's say they're not looking to build their own van, but they definitely want to do van life. They like, yep, this is cool. I've always wanted to do it. What type of advice would you give them in order to do it? And what were some of the things that might have made it easier for you if you had known before you started? I don't know. I I think that in our personalities, or at least mine, and Jess kind of goes along with it, is just we're always very prepared. Uh, We've gone to, like we've gone to Burning Man, and the first time we went, we just had everything we needed. And uh, we did a little bit of research, but I remember sitting there one day and some, some burners came up to us and they've been doing it for a long time. And they're like, Mike, we heard you have batteries. I was like, yeah, I got batteries. You need batteries? And I, you know, like they didn't have them and I could provide them. And, and we always had the water we needed and everything else. Um, so I think that- Radical self-reliance. Yeah, yeah. That is one of the, one of the principles. Um, but so advice for anyone else getting into it, uh, just make it whatever you want it to be. And uh, you you know, if, if that if that's the way you do it, you're going to be happy. Yeah, and don't get lost in all the details. There's a lot of people that will tell you one way or the other, and honestly, it's your decision about how you want your life to be or your van to be or your build to be. And and you can spend as much or as little as you want. Um, you can get away with just a couple hundred bucks if you just want to throw an air mattress in the back and have a bucket and a camp sink. And um, it doesn't have to be luxury, and or it could. Um, so I think the advice is just, um, build it the way that you want it and the way that you are capable of doing it. And if you need help, get help. I mean, not everyone has a welding machine like Mike does. So, um, there's definitely people that can help you 
um, but just don't let them overbuild it for you. Were there are there communities that you would recommend or or Instagram accounts that you recommend other than your own that you would say if there's if there's someone out there who's not you guys are like we're just going to do it our own way and who cares but if someone's like I want to do a little research are there places that they should start that are probably good points to start that isn't that aren't going to overwhelm them like they can say all right I've got enough to actually go on here yeah and uh, so it, with van life you have a couple different types of accounts you have the aggregator accounts that kind of like just repost people's content um, you have the more storytelling accounts like van life diaries that really try to get behind the people in the vans and tell their stories and share the content. Um, and then you have obviously the content creators and van life dwellers. Um, and so I would say if you like a van, if you see a van you like, reach out to that person, engage with them. Like if they may not respond to your message right away because they probably have a lot in their inbox, but you know, comment frequently on their posts, try to see if they have an ebook for sale. Um, you can always replicate what they, they do. And, and most everyone is super friendly. Yeah, I, I would say that there are a lot of people out there making ebooks, and and we've considered it. We we plan to put something together uh, in the coming months of what we did, how we did it, why we did it, and um, you know, reach out, uh, reach out to us. Um, we might be setting up some kind of a consulting kind of thing, and, and we would love to coach some people through it. Uh, so you know, we've we've we're practiced at it. We've done it twice, um, and we seem to be uh, we found some some things that work. I can speak from. Well, experience of being in their van that it is, if I was having someone build my van, I'd be like, Mike and Jeff, <laughs> can we just come, can you come over? Here's the van, go to it. 30 days. I want right. to, I want to be on the road. <laughs> yeah. Um, what then, cause you know, we, we obviously the goal of this whole thing is to travel and see the country and just get out and do things that you hadn't done before. Are there a few memories that stick out to you as being either this is just an absolutely epic day that we had or, or an epic place? What are some of those favorite memories of the last year on the road? I'm going to have to say the eclipse. Yeah, we went to this little place in the middle of Wyoming, right in the path of totality. And um, a few other van lifers came out and camped with us. And we were out there for like six days because I was convinced that it would be a madhouse. So I was like, we got to get there early. But I found this free campsite right on a lake. So every day we just went out and floated and then, you know, watched the stars at night. Um, and then like totality happened and it was like completely surreal. Um, so I think that was definitely the highlight. Um, I mean, that's more celestial than anything, but <laughs> that and the Oregon coast, I think were our two favorite places. Yeah. The whole, the whole state of Oregon really surprised us. We, we were traveling South from Washington and I thought, Oh yeah, we'll, we'll spend a week or two in Oregon and we'll be in Northern California, you know, very soon. And a month later we were still in Oregon and, uh, it's just an incredible state. You know, they've got the, the coast and the high mountains and the hot springs, hot springs and, and almost like a rainforest. And they, they just have it all. So it was a, we really like that state. What are some of the places that you haven't gotten to yet that, that are on your next little bucket list of, all right, we're, we're in the van, we're here in PA. Here's where we want to hit. <laughs> Actually, it's the Canyon land. So the, all the national parks in Utah, um, all the national forests and lands out there. Um, we just keep missing it, even though we've driven through it or by it a couple I say, times. I feel like now. you've been out there every yeah. year. I've heard you've yeah. been out that area. At yeah, least. in like the time we were, you know, booking it from Los Gatos to Denver for the Red Rock show. Um, but it was like 117 degrees in Vegas, so like we were not about to be spending our time in the canyons then. So um, we'll kind of roundabout in the next couple months, make our way back out to to Utah. 
And then also Alaska is in the cards. So we uh, we do hope to make it up there yeah. at some point. So then that, that would mean that we had traveled to all 49 states in the van. And then co- collectively, we've both been to Hawaii. So that'd be 50. Wow. Yeah. So you've at this point, how many have you done? You've been to... With have you the, been with to, the van? Um, it's been forty three. Okay, so you've yeah. been to forty three. Yeah, and uh, is Alaska going to be the forty ninth? Like, are you saving it to be like, oh, because no. it's so, or it's just yeah. however, it however up. it works out. Yeah, yeah. Okay. like we yeah, we'll have to do Michigan, North Dakota, and Alaska. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> kinda, I mean, somehow yeah. we missed Michigan. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting with Utah. I having never been there, but a lot of people come on and ask, well, all right, what's your favorite place in the world? You know, people have traveled all, all over, and multiple people, many, many people are like at Southern Utah. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Just get out there. You can spend all, like one of my friends, like I could just, I if I couldn't travel anywhere else, like one place for the rest of my life, I would just go there and travel there. Really? So, um, I haven't been either, so yeah, a little jealous. We all got to go you out should there. Should rent together. a van and we should can rent a van, van and and head out there. Is there any other piece of advice? I know you guys have talked about traveling cheap and on, and a lot of what we do on here is like, hey, how can you how can you travel longer, cheaper, better, more authentically, all that kind of stuff, and and that's kind of your ethos here in Van Life. Any other little tips and tricks that you've used? Because we right now we have the hack of the show being the Anytime Fitness. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, is there anything else that you found that you just think? Hey, we do this, and it it might even be second nature to you now, but it, it's something that really like allows you to stretch your dollars further when you're traveling. Yeah, I think freecampsites.net um, is typically where we found find our overnight stays. But there's other apps like iOverlander. We try not to spend any money on yeah. apps. So. Yeah, but the freecampsites.net would be even good for someone on a cross country trip. Mm-hmm. You know, all you need is a tent and a sleeping bag, or even just sleep in your car. Um, a lot of these campsites are they're just perfect for exactly that purpose. And they're all um, user reviewed and there's pictures and they even tell you how much cell service is there. So it's, I think it's a pretty big hack for, for van life in my opinion. Awesome. Well, there you guys go. Last question. Who's the better driver? Well, that's uh, easy. Yeah, it's me because she doesn't drive. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, there you go. Wow. There's only one option. <laughs> there's only one option. But that being said, you are the right one who ran into the herd of elks. Yes. So, yes. I mean, you've Ooh. crashed one van so uh, far. I know, man. right. right. Um, <laughs> okay, so you're the only one driving. And is that is that just because you obviously you're not driving a ton? Well, and usually you're not driving a ton. What about the long cross country stuff? Is it just like, I'm going to power through or? Yeah. A lot of monster, a lot of caffeine and, uh, we just, it's sunflower seeds. Yeah. That's how, that's how I run. Keeps you going. Okay. Awesome. Remind people one more time again, where can they come and find you? And also what's in the pipeline? Like you've talked about a few different projects that you guys are doing. What's in the pipeline and then where's the best place and the for them to follow you and find out everything that's going on. So for all the van related um, content, you can follow us on Instagram at van.there, T-H-E-R-E. Um, and then the, we also have the same domain, vanthere.com. We have YouTube videos. And so the next big thing I think for this account will be a build series. We chronicled everything um, over the last 30 days for this van build through Instagram stories and everyone was eating them up. So I think it went over really well. We got a lot of engagement with that. A lot of interest so um we also simultaneously filmed content for youtube so once we get on the road that'll be my project and then and then also with the van related stuff uh we've talked about building out another van just to flip it or sell it um so interesting you know uh if if people are interested um probably by next winter we'll be possibly building a van uh to suit someone else's needs and uh and we've also toyed around with the idea of, of leasing out vans, renting vans. And, uh, you know, there's certainly a model for that. And it's crossed our minds. Um, and then on the art 
related side of things. Uh, I'm currently still running the Etsy site, uh, drawn there, uh, the Etsy page and drawn there.com. I post m- almost daily to drawn underscore there on Instagram and uh, just going to keep trying to grow that business. A lot of the, the work right now is coming from my daily sketches, but also from uh, people coming to me with commissions. So if you want your childhood home to be drawn or your favorite vacation spot, uh, send me photos and I can draw them up and uh, you know give it some style and, and do it that way. Even like, pet portraits. Oh, oh yes. Good. I'm drawing dogs now too. Okay. Yeah. Does Vinny have, he have a, uh, a pet portrait? That should be on the, on the wall of no, the van I, there, right? Yeah, it should be. I'm waiting, I'm waiting for my masterpiece of Vinny to, to, <laughs> to be posted. There you guys go. Mike and Jess, thanks so much for joining me today. Driving all the way over here, letting me hang out in the van um, to chat in person, making van life even more enviable. I mean, it was already like, let's say it was a nine and a half out of 10 in my head. Now I'm like, oh boy, I think I might have to... Uh, figure out who's going to rent this house and get out there on the road. So thank you guys. It was a pleasure. It was awesome. Absolutely. Thank you for having us. Guys, don't forget as well, if you're listening, you can get all the show notes, everything we talked about, drawn there, van there, everything there.com not uh, you probably don't own everything there.com but draw on there van there.com we will link everything we talked about in the show notes so you can get that extra pack of peanuts.com slash shows you can find that all 300 and however many other episodes you can get there don't forget as well if you are out on the road whether you're in a van or whether you're just traveling check out tortugabackpacks.com you can use the promo code epop that'll get you 10 percent off anything you order there and it is location independence month here at epop we've got the paradise pack project coming up so if you're someone who says I want to be location independent. This sounds pretty cool. It's a bundle of 20, 15 to 20 different courses, $5,000 in value. We sell it for 90% off. That is May 29th through June 5th, and it's gone forever. So seven days, then you can never get it again. So check that out, theparadisepack.com. Mike and Jess, thanks again. Really, really appreciate it. Super fun to do it in person. Thank you. Guys, thanks for tuning in today. For your continued support, as always, that makes us the number one ready to travel podcast on iTunes. And until next time, happy free travels. I'll show you-